Gonzaga has time to do something. Sox for the win. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. Classic basketball game. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll take a look at this week's AP poll, some of the top college games of the week, and preview the NBA's Christmas Day slate, as well as going over the Memphis Grizzlies' recent surge, and so much more. So, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. You can also follow at the 3 and D on Twitter to stay updated with breaking news around the leagues and news on episodes and uploads. So, lots been going on in the NBA world, in the college basketball world. Obviously, COVID's hitting hard. Uh, a lot of teams are getting shut down. A lot of games are getting shut down. So, uh, here's hoping that you know things start to get back on track very soon. I have a feeling that they will. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of a setback, but it's just going to be interesting to see um, how teams approach this for the time being, uh, most importantly. And also, you know, the name of this episode is No Jaw, No Problem, um, since John Morant's been out for so long for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, and we're going to go over the Grizzlies in a little bit. But it's right before the episode started, News broke that John Moran is back after a month off, a month away from the team uh, due to injury. He's going to be back. So the Grizzlies, who have been surging without him, just got their star back. So we'll go over that in a few. But first off, the new AP poll came out. So I have to go over it. New AP poll dropped this morning, as it does every Monday. Baylor, Duke, and Purdue all remained in their normal spots at 1, 2, and 3. None of them lost. Uh, they all ended up staying the same. I'll tell you what, watching a little Baylor over the weekend, watching a little Purdue over the weekend, uh, those are some, those are two tough teams. Baylor, Baylor is tough, and even without uh, the amount of guys that they lost from the draft and as seniors last year, they brought in Kendall Brown, uh, who's who's one of the top freshmen in the country. Uh, they they really are looking good. And, you know, James, they brought in James Akinjo as well, uh transfer who was at Georgetown and uh, transferred to Arizona last year and now transferred back to now transferred for a third time to Baylor uh, kind of took the place of Davion Mitchell in that front, in that backcourt. But it's, I'm telling you, Baylor is a tough team. Baylor is going to be good. Once again, they're just so well coached. So doesn't surprise me that's, 
that they're number one in the country. And Gonzaga moves up one spot, so they went from five to four. Um, they had a couple of good wins this past week. Arizona. Now, that's one of the teams that we got to talk about, ben, Benedict Mathurin. Um, we're definitely going to go over him in a few, but jump, Arizona jumped from eight to six this week, and I don't think anybody thought the Wildcats were going to be this dominant uh, going into the season, but they're red hot, and they've been getting a lot of help from a variety of uh, returning players. They don't have any huge freshmen, uh, but – most of, the, most of their big guys have been uh, some of their returning players who are having career years. And USC jumps even higher. USC remains undefeated. Isaiah Mobley, star of that team, Evan Mobley's brother, uh, jumps higher from 10 to 8. Iowa State jumps again. They're, they remain undefeated too, you know. Last year, the Cyclones were absolutely awful. And they were at the bottom of the Big 12. You know, nobody, I don't think anybody really could have predicted them to get off to this hot of a start uh in this season but they're already up to number nine and so they so they cracked the top 10 after being 11 last week xavier too jumps from 22 to 18 so xavier jumps into the top 20 xavier's another tough team colorado state who who uh premiered in their top 25 last week for the first time this season is remaining undefeated they're 10 and 0 as well they jumped from two spots from 23 to 21 so Colorado State, definitely a team to watch out for. Providence, also, three teams uh, re-entered, either entered or re-entered. Uh, well, two teams, actually, and re-entered or entered the top 25. Providence entered for the first time, only got one loss. They jumped in at number they, – they debuted at number 22 this week. Wisconsin jumped back in after falling out there at number 24, and Texas Tech remained the same at 25. But the, the bait now – the biggest losers this week definitely goes to two Big East teams and an SEC team. Villanova, by far, is the biggest loser. They fell 14 spots after a couple of tough losses. Um, they fell from 9 to 23 this week, so they barely held on to the top 25. They almost fell out, which, you know, seeing Villanova with uh, a 20-something ranking next to their name is is not something that that we've grown accustomed to, but they fell from 9 to 23. And UConn and Arkansas as well have also completely fell out after a couple of bad losses. Arkansas went from being top 10 to completely out of the top 25 now. They've lost a couple of bad games. They had a very easy schedule to start the season, and they took advantage of that, and now they've been losing a few Pretty easy games, and UConn the same the same thing. UConn was thriving for a bit. They were in the bottom part of the top twenty five, but they completely fell out um, overall. So that's your AP poll for this week. Uh, very, you know, nothing nothing too extreme besides Villanova falling nine spots. They definitely um, stayed for the most part the same. I. You know, don't didn't expect anything crazy to happen. There was nothing like there was nothing too crazy. I mean, a lot of games got canceled too. So, jumping over from that, we'll jump into the top college games of the week to watch out for. I had a game that was supposed to be on Wednesday, but you know, got canceled due to COVID, and that's Kentucky versus Louisville. Had to include that, even though Louisville's been struggling just because, um, you know, of that rivalry. But the first off. First one we got is number 18, Xavier, taking on number 23, Villanova. Opens up Big East Conference play begins this week. So all the Big East teams are done with their non-conference schedules. They're all 
the biggest conference play is beginning and this, this takes place tomorrow night tuesday at seven o'clock uh xavier's 11 and one to start the season uh they beat ohio state marquette and oklahoma state they've had a few big wins and they've jumped ahead of villanova now which you know not too many people expected and then villanova um xavier has villanova then they have uconn to open up conference play so they got two of the better teams in the Big East to start it off. Got a couple of comments out here. We got Tom Scavetta. Intrigued to see who comes out on top tomorrow night. Xavier and Villanova are both tough. It's going to be a really good game. I'm really excited about that. I think that might be the game of the week. Honestly, it's a very it's a very light schedule. Um, there isn't there isn't too many. Obviously, you know everybody's going to have off for Christmas Eve and Christmas. Uh, so there there isn't too too hefty of a schedule, but I'm. I'm excited to see that Kentucky playing Western Kentucky now did not even see that. So shout out to my brother for that one. I did not even see that their, their game um, on Wednesday, they were supposed to play Louisville on Wednesday. So now they're taking on Western Kentucky. That's going to be a good game because Western Kentucky is one of those sneaky teams. And you now they, they always have a reason to watch them. The Hilltoppers do. That's, that's one thing that I've always found interesting. They always, no matter, no matter who's on the team, Rick Stansberry always finds a way to get a top 100 recruit, always finds a way to get somebody intriguing to watch. I I think that, that that might actually be a good game. I, you know, if that news broke a little bit early, it probably would have included that on the list. But uh, jump back to Xavier versus Villanova, Jack Nungy averaging 13.7.8 boards. And Zach Fremantle, who just came back from injury, and Paul Scruggs have not been doing a ton. And Xavier is still 11-1. Those were their two star players. Um, from last season, and Jack Nungy, who's the transfer from Iowa, has been their big star, pretty much. He's he's done most he's done most of the stuff, but it's it's been a collective effort. I mean, I you can't say Fremantle and Scruggs haven't done anything because they've done a good amount of stuff, but they haven't been the like star caliber players that we've grown accustomed to them seeing to seeing them be. And then Villanova is now seven and four. They have the most losses in the top twenty five. Entering this week, they've lost to UCLA, Purdue, Baylor, and Creighton. So they've lost to three teams that are ranked in the top 10, and they lost to Creighton, who arguably should be ranked in the top 25. So they've lost, they have lost to some good teams. That's why they're still in the top 25, but some of those games you got to win. Villanova was a preseason top 10 team. So there's no doubt that, you know, they should be able to beat a UCLA. You know, Purdue might Purdue and Baylor are probably tough, but UCLA and Creighton are two games that they should win. And if they win those two games, they're probably back. They're probably in the top fifteen right now. Um, and their only their only real big win was beating Tennessee. That was their only ranked win. So uh, Colin Gillespie averaging sixteen point two points and one and a half steals has been their star player. They've been you know struggling a bit. Jermaine Samuels. Um, been out on it, been out on and off. They haven't haven't gotten a ton of depth from guys not named Colin Gillespie, and that's you know part of the reason why um, they've been struggling so much this year. It, to especially to start the season, so that'll be an interesting one to look out for. And then we got another one of two unranked teams, although 
one of these teams was ranked last week. We've got UConn versus Marquette taking place right after Xavier versus Villanova. So if you want a good Big East doubleheader tomorrow night, this is the place to go tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. we got UConn versus Marquette. Another Big East matchup to begin Big East play. UConn's 9-3 and now to start the year. They beat Auburn, but they've lost to Michigan State, West Virginia, and Providence. Uh, their their loss to Providence this past week is what knocked them out of the top 25 and what knocked Providence into the top 25. Providence, um, one of three teams now from the Big East that are in the top 25. RJ Cole's been their best player, averaging 16 points a game so far. Sonoga averaging 15.6 points, 6.3 boards, and 1.8 blocks. Their big man down low. And they're taking on Marquette, who has been shockingly pretty decent so far this year. They lost a lot of guys. Um, obviously they made big headlines this offseason when they brought in Shaka Smart to be their new head coach uh, when he left Texas. But they start off eight and four. They've lost th- and they've lost three of their last four, which is kind of the big storyline. They start off the season seven and one. Um, they lo- they've lost to St. Bonaventures, Wisconsin, UCLA and Xavier. So they lost to all good teams. Uh, all four of those teams have been ranked at some point this year. Um, so, They've, but they've lost three of their last four. So it'll be interesting. Um, this is a get right kind of game for uh, UConn, you know, to to knock off Marquette. And this is also a big statement win if Marquette could somehow, you know, beat UConn and kind of throw them out of the way a little bit. That, I think that would make things very interesting. And then jumping over Wednesday night, which might also arguably be a um, uh, game of the night or a game of the week, number six, Arizona versus number 19, Tennessee. So we got um, a Pac-12 SEC showdown right there taking going, taking place Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Arizona is 11-0. They've jumped all the way up to number six. Their three big wins so far for their resume have been Michigan, Illinois, and Wyoming. Yes, Wyoming is a big win nowadays. Wyoming's actually got a good team, so um, – Never thought I'd see the day that Wyoming would be, you know, a resume win, but they are. And they got they have a tough schedule coming up. They got Tennessee, then UCLA, and then USC for their next three. So they got uh, Tennessee, who's 19, then UCLA and USC, who are both top 10 teams in their next three. So this is going to really prove something. They're 11-0 so far this year, Arizona. If they can start rolling through some of those guys, then we can start putting them in the top five as a potentially dynamic team. And Ben Benedict Matherin, 17.4 points, six and a half boards. Uh, he's been the storyline of all around college basketball. Well, in my opinion, so far this year, the star of Arizona's sophomore guard who has been lighting it up. Freak athlete who does just about a little bit of everything. Um, was kind of off radars all of last year for – NBA draft boards for uh, college basketball boards, all that kind of stuff. He was off the, he, you know, what didn't get as much attention, but he's absolutely shined so far this season. And then Tubelis, on the other hand, 16.1.6.8 boards to start the season. And then we got Tennessee's 8 and 2. They've lost to Villanova and Texas Tech. And their only real big win has been against North Carolina. So they stay in the top 25, but this could be a huge win to raise uh, the volunteers up a lot higher. Kennedy Chandler, 
one of the top freshmen in the country, averaging 14.6 points, 5.4 assists, one of the better point guards in the nation, one of the better point guards in this upcoming draft, too. And Viscovi, too, with 13.1 points, 4.4 boards, and 3.4 assists so far this season. And then the last game to watch out for, yeah, there's only four. There isn't, there is not too many because, you know, pretty light schedule because of because of Christmas um, and, you know, all the COVID-related issues that have gone on. we got number 15, Seton Hall, taking on DePaul Thursday night at 8.30. So this is Christmas Eve Eve night, uh, the 23rd. We got, yes, and DePaul is worthy. This might be, even going back to last year, this might be the first time that DePaul has ever made my one of my games of the week because they're usually – Nothing competitive, but they're uh, they're pretty good this year. And this is another Big East showdown. The Big East, I'll tell you what, is tough this year. They are really tough. They, you got Seton Hall. Um, Seton Hall and DePaul are both nine and one. Seton Hall has, is nine and one. They're they're all the way up to fifteen this week, and they beat Texas and Michigan, and they lost to Ohio State. So that was their only loss of the season was to Ohio State. Um, and Texas and Michigan were two big wins. And Jared Roden's been their best player, averaging 17.4 points and 7.3 boards. Uh, seen, but the big storyline right now around Seton Hall is that they're on a COVID shutdown. Uh, a couple of their games have gotten canceled. So there is definitely the chance that this game does get canceled. Uh, there's probably a pretty decent likelihood, too, that this game gets canceled. But, you know... Fingers crossed, and you know we can. We'll, we're going to hope for the best to see if we can get this going. But you know, it's around Christmas time. If my thoughts on the entire thing really is, you know, I think that it's tough. A lot of people are testing positive, all that kind of stuff. If it's not the end of the world, too, if a lot of games across the college basketball get canceled uh, over the next week or so, let everybody go home. Christmas time, get out of the dorms. Get, kind of you know let it die down a little bit and i think be able to get back on track they might kind of switch up uh some of their guidelines too that's what the nba and the nfl have talked about too you know with vaccinated players but no matter what they decide to do i think it'll be interesting to see um you know when this goes away i think i i personally think that you know it's going to be short-lived uh all of these shutdowns that is i think that you know it's kind of spreading like like wildfire right now but it's um it's i think it's going to go down a bit and you know the more games you get canceled in like the next week could be a benefit you know sending a lot of people home you know just kind of stay out of the way so there isn't as many uh huge get-togethers all that kind of stuff um, and kind of tone things down a little bit. And, you know, every winter this kind of stuff happens too. So, you know, every disease known to man always comes out worse during the winter time. So does, does not surprise me, but see, but as we were saying before that scene hall is on a shutdown right now, which is the problem that might put this game into jeopardy uh, more than likely probably will. So, but there is no word at least that I've heard on Seton Hall versus DePaul. And then DePaul, on the other hand, as I said before, a nine and one only loss came to Loyola Chicago, which is not a terrible loss. Uh, Loyola Chicago is pretty, pretty solid again this year. And two guys that the world 
that the college basketball world uh, needs to kind of put on their radar that are flying, that are, you know, aren't really talked about that much. Javon Freeman Liberty and David Jones, the two star players of DePaul. Freeman Liberty is averaging 20.9 points and 8.3 boards as a six foot four guard, too, for DePaul. He's been doing it all. He's been amazing this year. And David Jones, on the other hand, big man, 17.4 points, 8.3 rebounds. You know, the Dave Lado era um, ended and it ended in not such great terms because the team had stung for a long time and, um, you know, turning things over to their new head coach uh, has really, really turned the tide. And they lost Romeo Weems, who declared for the draft last year. But Freeman Liberty it has been amazing so far this year. This is his senior year. Uh, you know, he'll get another year if he really wants to because of last year's COVID uh, extension. But Seton Hall versus DePaul, if the game's on, I think it should be a good one. So jumping over from college basketball, that's enough college basketball. We'll jump over to the NBA for a little bit. Christmas Day lineup. It's Christmas week, ladies and gentlemen. So the NBA's Christmas annual Christmas Day lineup, five games um, starting at 12 o'clock and ending basically at past midnight will, uh, will take place, obviously, again this Christmas. And it will all be let off by a matchup that everyone you've seen the preseason schedule, everyone would have expected to be uh, to be possibly two of the top teams in the East. And that's not really the case, but still a pretty solid rivalry. We've got the Atlanta Hawks at the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden, 12 o'clock p.m. on Christmas Day. The Hawks and the Knicks have both been underperforming to start the season after great years last year. Uh, Hawks are 14 and 15 to start the year. The Knicks are 13 and 17. Trey Young is having, once again, another amazing season, averaging almost 30 and 10 assists like he's been doing. Uh, John Collins has been great. And then the Knicks on the other hand, been struggling a bit, and they got smacked with COVID as well. Uh, they're supposed to play the Pistons tomorrow night. I will actually be at that game um, if all goes well. And, um, yeah, they have a lot of injury issues. Obi Toppin's out, Emmanuel quickly. You know, the list goes on and on. R.J. Barrett, they had to pick up two guys this week, uh, today actually. Well, three guys actually over the last couple of days to sign Damian Dotson. Resigned him um, after spending last year with Cle- with um, the with Cleveland, and uh, they also signed Tyler Hall, who was playing for the Westchester Knicks in the G League, and Matt Mooney, who was playing in the G League for Mexico City and former Texas Tech uh, forward. They had they signed a few guys, but the NBA just expanded their rules, saying that. Um, expanding how many guys you can sign due to COVID issues because a lot of teams are struggling big time. I mean, you have the Brooklyn Nets who have 10 guys out for because of COVID right now. You know, there's it's it's affecting a lot of teams. It really is. And the Knicks are one of the teams affected. The Knicks, I think, have six guys out. So this will be interesting to see if any of those guys can return by then. RJ Barrett's been out for a little while, so he might be able to come out of it soon. You, you can only hope. And then right afterwards at 2.30, we got the Boston Celtics at the Milwaukee Bucks. Celtics are 15 of 15 so far this year. They've been, once again, hovering right around 500. As expected, the Bucks have been 19 and 13. They'd be a lot better 
1913 is not bad, but they'd be a lot better if they didn't have so many injury issues to start the season. But the Celtics are 15 and 15. They got to a terrible start, and then Marcus Smart, uh, you know, kind of threw everybody under during a, a post game press conference, and that kind of sparked a little bit of a light for the Celtics, and they've they've been a lot better ever since. And you know, they're once again they're a questionably talented team in my opinion. I never thought that I, I last year when a lot of people were considering them one of the top teams in the East, I thought that they were a 500 team and they ended up being right around that. That's what I predicted. And once again, this year, I didn't see them being that competitive. I said that on the first episode of this season, actually, um, and got some backlash from some Celtics fans. But once again, 15 and 15, you know, I, I am a Knicks fan, so I don't love the Celtics, of course, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a basketball fan, so I'll I'll let you know if your team is good, even if I hate it. I don't like the Nets either, but I'll let you know that the Nets are fantastic. Uh, the Celtics, I don't see being that. I don't see them as that amazing. I think that uh, they've struggled big time, and they don't have much of an identity either. That's their biggest problem. And then jumping over at five o'clock. Breaking up the day a little bit. We've got the Golden State Warriors at the Phoenix Suns. Easily the best game of the day. I don't think, you know, when you had Hawks and Knicks and the next one we're about to go over Nets versus Lakers on the schedule, I don't think anybody thought that Warriors versus Suns was easily going to be the, the best one of the day. But that's what it's come down to, the two, the one and two best teams in the league. Uh, we've spent a lot of time over the last few episodes going over the Warriors, going over the Suns. Uh, we had AJ from the Three Man Weave on last episode's podcast. Everybody go check that episode out too. That was fantastic. Nice hour and a half long episode of the guys from the Three Man Weave podcast. We talked everything NBA, talked NBA history, um, Lakers, Warriors, Knicks, Damian Lillard trade rumors, so much stuff. It was a fantastic episode. So everybody go check that one out. But you're pl- having to plug, you know, my previous episode in this episode, but. Sometimes you got to do it. Uh, Warriors that first Suns though we've had we've spent so much time analyzing the Warriors, analyzing the Suns uh, to throughout this throughout this season of the three and D. But the Warriors are twenty four and six. The Suns are twenty four and five. Uh, is in my opinion easily the two best teams in the NBA. You know, record wise they are, but it's not even just record wise, just the way they play, just everything about them. I think they're easily the two best teams. In the West, I mean, in the entire NBA, they're two best in the West, but it's two best in the entire NBA as well. There's so they'll be taking on, taking on each other at five o'clock. They, every time they've played each other so far, it's been a marquee matchup, it's, and luckily they're both in the Pacific Division. So we'll be seeing a lot more of Warriors versus Suns. It's not going to be just two or three games like uh, some of the other schedules will be. So that's going to be a good one. And then we got at eight o'clock, we got Nets versus Lakers. I think that, you know, going in, I think going into this season, everybody had this one circled on their calendar as being by far the game, uh, um, the game of the day. And, you know, possibly one of the games of the year too. But the Nets are, Nets and Lakers are both depleted. Both teams are going to have a lot of COVID issues. Anthony Davis is hurt. Kevin Durant's on the COVID list. Uh, Kyrie Irving's on the COVID list. So there is a chance we'll only see LeBron and James Harden in this game come Christmas Day. 
So it's it could be a very depleted roster. The Nets have an extremely depleted roster right now. Um, they've been having to start a lot of their two-way contract guys and their lower down guys on from the bench. So Nets versus Lakers, Nets 21-9 start of the season. Obviously, we went over the Lakers a few times, and especially in the last episode, they're 16 and 15. They've underperformed big time this year. Can't even blame COVID on that because their COVID issues just began. Their struggles have been since the beginning of the season. So Nets versus Lakers, it still should be a pretty good game. You know, here's hoping that we can get some of the some of the players back. Uh, we can get Kevin Durant back. Uh, Anthony Davis is definitely not going to be back because he's going to be out for several weeks with that leg injury. But Nets versus Lakers, that's definitely going to be a good one that I'm excited for. And then, then we got the late one. Out on the West Coast, we got the Mavericks taking on the Jazz. Uh, this, is, this is a pretty solid game. I mean, the Mavericks, once again, hovering around 500. They've been a tough team to predict. Once again, they're one one really good player shy of being a real contender. You know, just Luka and Porzingis is not going to get it done. Luka is one of the best players in the league. Porzingis is great when he's healthy, but... Just those two is not going to get the job done in the West, and I think it's proven itself time and time again. They're going to be a good team uh, with the two of them, but in order to get over the hump, they need a third star. They they really need a, num- a number two. I think Luka is easily a number one for a championship-winning team. He could easily be the star player of a championship-winning team. I think Porzingis can be the number three for a championship-winning team. I don't think that... Um, He's even the number two. I think that they're missing a number two, personally. You know, 14 and 15. They lost Rick Carlisle, which I thought was a pretty big loss. Hired Jason Kidd. Jury's still out on him. You know, it's it's very, very uh, difficult to even predict, like, what kind of a coach or even analyze what kind of a coach uh, Jason Kidd is because – I didn't think he did a great job with the Nets or Bucks, but I also thought that he had some glimpses. He's a Hall of Fame basketball basketball player. He had some glimpses of looking decent. I think that, you know, it's it's an interesting one. It's definitely an interesting one. And, you know, Nets versus Lakers uh, can definitely uh, – Mavs versus Jazz, I should say, can definitely uh, be – one of the more one of the more interesting matchups, even though it's in Utah. And then the Jazz, on the other hand, are twenty and nine. Uh, they've been consistently in my top five power rankings, which we'll go over in a few. But um, in Utah, this this could be a close one, but it also uh, could definitely be a blowout. There's no doubt about that. So, switching gears now from the Christmas Day games, let's talk some Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, the Grizzlies have been red hot. They're 19 and 12 so far to start the season. Uh, currently fourth place in the Western Conference. They've been playing without John Morant since November 26th, and they've been doing nothing but winning. Jaron Jackson Jr. is averaging 16 points, five boards, and two blocks so far this season. Dylan Brooks having another amazing year, averaging almost 20 points a game. He's turning into a stud, uh, 1.2 steals, and they've had amazing real amazing production from their bench, which has been the key. Desmond Bain, second-year guy out of TCU, averaging 16.3 points a game so far, starting in all 31 games so far this year. It's been that kind of consistency that 
is the reason why they've been so dominant this year. They've it's it's been amazing. Bain was with some steal in that in that draft. He's going to go down as one of the better players in that uh, in that twenty twenty NBA draft, which probably won't go down as one of the best in NBA history. But he he's going to be a guy that sticks around for a while. And then besides him, DeAnthony Melton, Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson, and Xavier Tillman, all guys who are adding depth off the bench too for them. So it's they they've got a good squad. They're well coached too. Taylor Jenkins, you know, you got to give some credit to him. Since taking over this Grizzlies job, he's really kind of flipped the script. The Grizzlies never been able to get over the hump, you know. Um, you definitely have to give most of the credit to John Morant because, you know, he's their star player and he's really kind of flipped the script. But it's, I think Taylor Jenkins has also done a really good job uh, with with that Grizzlies team. And I think he gets the most out of this out of these guys. And they've also one thing you got to like about this Grizzlies team, too, is um, no flash, no big name players, all all of their guys that they have, they either picked up on the scrap heap, you know, nobody else wanted them. So they picked them up um, as random free agents or they drafted them. You know, John Morant was a draft pick. Desmond Bain was a draft pick. Xavier Tillman was draft pick. Kyle Anderson, they did sign via free agency. Same with Tyus Jones. Uh, but DeAnthony Melton wasn't really wanted. He was kind of a throw in, in a trade. Dylan Brooks, they kind of were able to just snag. Um, there's Steven Adams. They were able to get via trade. Uh, ended up trading Valanchunas to New Orleans, but um, Stephen Adams really wasn't wanted in New Orleans anymore. So they they're full of guys who have just been kind of homegrown and are Grizzlies type players, that like Grizzly grit, which you know has become their catchphrase over the years too. Uh, I think that's I think it's great. I think that uh, it's it's awesome to see, and yeah, I love to see as we talk about disparity all the time on this show. I love to see, you know, some of these teams, you know, flipping the script and because and you know, going from a laughing stock in the league for ten years to being one of the more competitive teams, and all because of like a good overall core and a good head coach. That's what it comes down to a lot of times, and we're starting to move past the era dominated by one, two, or three pl- dominant players that are always in the NBA Finals. As we're starting to see that, which we saw that last year with the Bucks for Suns in the Finals, we're starting to move towards, It's at least it seems like, an era in which it's going to come down to well-coached teams, good overall players, and a good overall um, game plan as well. A good overall, good overall talent mixed in from a from a bunch of different varieties though too it's not just one star player or three star players and you know no bench or anything like that you know and it, from with a team that everybody expects to make it to the finals not no more of that it looks like we're starting to head towards that and the grizzlies are kind of the epitome of that you know you have john morant who is definitely a, becoming a stud in the nba he's definitely entering that upper level where he's inching, inching, inching close to uh, the top 10. I I did intend to say inching three times. I didn't know if anybody, you know, thought I was just buffering or something. But, yeah, I didn't mean to say inching three times. But John Morant is moving towards that top 10 rank. And 
even without him, they were able to strive so well because of how deep the team is, how much uh, productivity they've been able to get from everybody, uh, even the guys that they just slot in. So I think that that's, that's been an amazing part. And I think the Grizzlies have done a great job of that, and it's going to be interesting to see. You know, with all these lockdowns and stuff like that too, it's going to be tough to gauge um, – you know, how much of the season is going to be told because of, you know, who was less injured, who was who had less COVID issues, all that kind of stuff. And hopefully it doesn't go on that long, but, you know, and hopefully it doesn't come down to that. But, you know, we'll see. But the Grizzlies have by far had the right mindset and are heading that direction. Now to wrap up the show, we'll go over my NBA power rankings. Um. Once again, as I do every week, my top five, it will be led off by the team we just went over, the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies debut in my top five. They have not shown up yet this season in my top five. They're 19-12 so far this year. They got Oklahoma City tonight. Uh, They're in Golden State Thursday, and then they're in Sacramento on Sunday. So the Grizzlies have two away games, one home game. And this is all... All these games I'm going to say are all pending. Obviously, there's the possibility any of these games can get canceled. It's very tough to keep track of what games are still on, what games are canceled, all that kind of stuff. So this is their projected schedule for this week. But in this COVID world, you never know. So, And then at number four, we got the Utah Jazz. They've remained at three or four for pretty much the entire season. 20 and nine again. Um, I think the thing that speaks volumes for this team is their point differential. Um, you know, a lot of teams, you know, the Nets point differential is only two points or something there. The Jazz point differential has been 10 points this season. So they're not just, they're not just beating teams, you know, squeaking by or anything. They're, they're being teams by a wide margin. They're doing, they're have a great defensive team and they have a great offensive team too. They're overall great, both sides of the basketball. Um, they do a tremendous job and, you know, the Jazz easily have to be one of the one of the teams you talk about in the West. They're taking on Charlotte at home on Monday, Minnesota at home on Thursday, and then they take on Dallas as we went over before on Christmas Day. At number three, we got the Brooklyn Nets. Um, as we said before, they're in a deep COVID issue. They're twenty-one and nine so far. Their game tomorrow already got canceled, so their games that haven't been canceled. They only have two games so far this week that haven't been canceled. Um, they still look like they're going to be on. They're in Portland on Thursday, then they're in LA to take on the Lakers on Christmas day. You know, hopefully those two games will still take place. I think they probably will. You know, the NBA is not going to try to cancel as many games as possible. They're going to, they're going to try to play as many games as possible because not try to do any makeups, even if that means a team puts out eight players and four of them are, you know, guys that they just picked up um, from the G league or guys that they signed to hardship contracts or anything like that. And then number two, we got the golden state warriors. The warriors were my number one for a while this season. And the Suns overlapped them a couple of weeks ago at number one. So now this, the golden state warriors are my number two. 24 and 6 this year. They're taking on Sacramento tonight, uh, taking on the Grizzlies Thursday, and then they're in Phoenix on Christmas Day. And then that brings us to the number one team, the Phoenix Suns, 24 and 5 so far this year. Best record in the NBA, half a game better than the Golden State Warriors. They're taking on the LA Lakers tomorrow night in LA. 
at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder on Thursday, and then at home against the Golden State Warriors on Christmas Day. So that's going to be that's my power rankings for this week. Um, and this Christmas week is going to be hectic. It's going to be kind of crazy to you know see what goes down, all the everything um, that goes down in the NBA world and the college basketball world. But, you know, we're just hoping that some of these games can hold on and, you know, we'll be able to be able to watch some basketball and be able to enjoy it. So that's going to wrap things up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the preview review and preview network to watch another episode of the three and D and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at three and D. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday at the new time, 8.30 p.m. Have a great night, everyone.